Hello, hello. Welcome to Unlapped. We are less than a month away from winter testing in Bahrain. We have lots to break down as the 2024 season begins to take shape. Nate's honors, Lawrence Edmonds and Katie George, as always. Let's get straight to it. Nate, what is the worst sports team name you have ever heard? <laughs> that's a really, that's a loaded question, Katie, and a very do good one. you know one. where I'm going with this? I think I do. I'm going to throw out there a name. Now, stop me if you've heard this name recently. It's come up on your Twitter feeds. There may be worse names, but it's difficult to find many that are worse than Visa, Cash App, RB, uh, which obviously we found out this week is what we call the team formerly known as AlphaTauri and formerly, formerly known as Toro Rosso. Um, I'm sure that there's worse team names, but I can't think of many right now. Um, yeah, pretty... Pretty, pretty weird. Or as as we've understood from, I've spoken to people in the team, what it sounds like they're calling it within the team is VCARB, or at least they're referring to it as VCARB, which I think is slightly less bad than Visa Cash App RB, but it's not really saying much, I don't think. So maybe I'm being unnecessarily harsh, but I wonder what you and Lawrence think about, about the merits of that name. I just, I want to make sure from a pronunciation standpoint, are you saying VCARB, like corn on the cob, or VCARB, like carbs you eat? Oh, V Cobb would be really good, actually, because you could make a lot of Cobb. Your accent makes it sound like you're saying V Cobb. Yeah. So I, when I first heard V Cobb, I did the same as you, Katie. Somebody said it to me on the phone, and I said, "What on earth? Why would they call it V Cobb? I don't understand that." And then I worked out when someone sent me a press release that it's just the acronym of of the thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had the same. So V Cobb, I think, if, especially if they came out with a yellow car, that'd be perfect. But sadly, I think that's not going to happen. Otherwise, V Cobb would be an easy an easy out for this <laughs> this uh, whole conundrum around the name. In, in case you haven't seen on social media the firestorm that um, has ensued, Scuderia Alfatari, as Nate has mentioned, has changed their name this season to Visa Cash App RB. Lawrence, what do you make of the name change? I think it's a perfect example of how to destroy a sporting team's identity in one single press release. Um you know, I, I, we've had sponsors' yeah. names attached to Formula One teams before. Uh, of course, you have the likes of Red Bull, which is, by its very nature, you know, promoting an energy drink. But it's not quite the same because Visa and Cash App aren't, they don't own this, you know, team that we previously called Alpha Tauri. Toro Rosso before that has its roots in the Minardi Formula One team. Um, you know, they're just sponsors. But the way that Red Bull have, decided to rename it with just the RB left on um, makes it very hard to call it anything other than Visa Cash App RB or VCARB uh, because just calling it RB then obviously you want to end up with lots of misunderstandings and confusions with the actual Red Bull team and I think you know it's it's it's, it's a real shame because we only have 10 Formula 1 teams you know they're, they're quite a limited resource and it's nice when fans have something that they can get behind. And even Toro Rosso, which, of course, is just um, Italian for Red Bull, uh, even Toro Rosso had its a distinct identity, um, you know, something that was that was really quite cool and you could hold on to. And it was always a young team and, and that kind of thing. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, to give Red Bull some, some credit here, how they then market this. But I just can't imagine anyone wanting to go and buy Visa Cash App RB merchandise, for example, and walk around with a big visa sign across their back. I mean, I know people do it with all sorts of other, other you know, brands in, in the sport. Of course, Mercedes is essentially a car brand and Ferrari, you know, even that is, is a car brand. But they just have so much more history, so much more identity, so much more connection to the sport that 
Visa and Cash App just do not have. Yeah, and I think that's a really great point. And I want to call out one of the things I've noticed already from the Red Bull side, mm-hmm. which is kind of the way that the messaging is around this. So I've heard a lot of people, I say a lot of people, people I've spoken to, I think there's a party line within Red Bull already that is, is, is Lawrence made the point perfectly. There is a difference between this and Red Bull coming into Formula 1 in 2004 because they bought the team. I've heard a couple of people within Red Bull say, well, this is the same. Visa Cash App, they're both disruptive brands. They're both coming in and you know they want to upset the status quo. And I think there's nothing less disruptive than a brand like Visa. It's one of the biggest brands in the world. It's I mean, I'm pretty sure if I went to if I walked down the street out here, and I, I don't know why I would do this, but if I said, show me your wallet, what's in there? Most people would have a Visa card of some sort in, in their wallets. It's not it's not new, yeah. it's not edgy, it's not anything like that. And Red Bull, when they came in, were exactly that. They were edgy. You know, if you if you go back and look at the history of Red Bull, when Dietrich Matschitz first kind of brought that concept um from Asia over to Europe, where it first really became big was in nightclubs in Europe. It was, you know, something that people used to kind of get them through the night of of you know raves and crazy parties and stuff. So it was edgy it was seen as something that was you know it it wasn't it was almost underground and they marketed it that way and that then translated into their sports so i think that when red bull say that and i think you're going to hear that a lot this season i think that's kind of you know keep Mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that in kind of the launches and as we go into the season you know our visa cash app so disruptive so so left field which i don't think is true i think that does a disservice i think that's red bull doing a disservice to themselves because yeah. they genuinely were that when they came in. They genuinely did come in. They obviously have the Red Bull Air Race. They've come in and they've, you know, they've they've bought their way into a lot of different sports. And Dietrich Mateschitz left an incredible legacy for that because his vision his vision was something that no one had seen before. Visa and Cash App. I mean, I don't really know much about Cash App as much as I do about Visa. But Lawrence is completely mm-hmm. right. Like you're not going to go and buy their their branding and wear it. Red Bull at least was able to lean into that kind of the they were they've they've always been the kings of marketing. And I think if you look at other Formula One teams, they've always seemed to step ahead of the rest in terms of doing things a bit differently to other people. Um, so yeah, so I struggle with that side of it. Um, and yeah, I, I think if 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 they'd somehow kept, I think the RB thing as well is a really fascinating part of the name mm-hmm. because originally, you know, the talk was, and as far as I understand, it was still in play until about two weeks ago. Was it was originally going to be visa cash up i mean jp morgan was in the running at one point hugo boss was in the running at one point um but they were gonna they were gonna finish it by calling it racing bulls which you can imagine would have been a headache because you'd have had red bull and racing bulls so again that would have been but at least there would have been something that you can call it other than rb you know maybe you would have called it you know maybe it would just been the bulls who who knows but it's yeah the the fact that the that they've almost forced you into calling it some form of visa cash up i think is is the most egregious part of it um it's an incredible deal for Red Bull. I mean, I think this is in the region of about thirty-five million a year. Um, you know, which is how many years? Money. What's the uh, contract? I've, I think it's about three, but I mean, I've been told multi-year, mm-hmm. and usually that's two, three. Um, it's 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 not short term. You know, I think that there's an expectation they'll be staying around for a long, long time. So from that point of view, incredible deal for Red Bull. But yeah, the the kind of the residual blowback has been so negative, and often that stuff does with time it eases off and people kind of get more used to it. But you wonder with this, I just can't see people, I can't see somebody, like I know somebody, one of my good friends has, has always been, a, I tell Lawrence this, it's always quite funny, like he's always been a Force India fan. I've always said, why on earth are you a Force India fan? But it, it goes back to, you know, previously being being Jordan, then being Force India. And then 
you just can't see somebody willingly saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a V carb or I'm a, I'm a visa cash app RB fan. It just, you wouldn't tell people that, you know, in the same way you might say I'm a Red Bull fan or a Ferrari fan, even Alpine, you know, Alpine, a team we've kind of questioned their, the logic of that brand before, but it is still a strong brand within motorsport, you know, and, it, and it's a strong team name. So, so yeah. Um, sorry, that was a long way around to, to, to come back to the point about the messaging from Red Bull has been a bit strange. And I think if that continues, hopefully fans kind of, reject that because i think that is kind of nonsense to say that visa and cash up are similar similarly disruptive to to a to a company like red bull it'll be interesting to see in three years from now if we made a bunch of out of nothing you know what i mean and yeah. it, it they run with it and we forget about this entirely or if in three years they've switched their name because clearly marketability it hasn't worked yeah but it is a good point because um you know once that deal ends then presumably it's up for grabs and another mm -hmm. brand might come in with more money. And then at what point do Red Bull say, oh no, we want to keep Visa Cash up because it's such a great name and that's what we intended to call it in the first place. But I think the big thing is, it's just, it, it kind of shows what that team is, which it's always been a second team. And um, previously it was a way to bring young drivers into the sport, to give them a, mm -hmm. a grounding, uh, usually towards the back of the grid, but then prepare them to become Red Bull drivers. And it's been slowly moving away from that. I mean, obviously with Daniel Ricciardo and the team, Yuki Tsunoda staying on for, I can't remember exactly what's third or fourth year in Formula One as well, that that identity has gone. And now it just seems like it's the, you know, it's just a way for Red Bull to make a bit of extra money from being in Formula One. I just find that really hard to get behind, even with someone like Daniel Ricciardo and the team. I just don't think there's going to be that many fans of the team going forward um but does that matter i suppose you know does red bull really want to have people following their junior team rather than their senior team maybe not so um I, but it just does seem to be a decision completely dictated by money shouldn't be surprised this is formula one it's you know international sport that's the way things have gone but um i think it's just uh just a bit of a shame because especially when you know we've got 10 of these teams another one has changed its name from uh, Alfa Romeo, which to be fair was pretty much exactly the same thing, just a sponsor, but it was a name that was historically very linked with with, with, with motorsport, um, and a team underneath which is Sauber, and that's changed its name to Stake, which is another name that's quite hard to get on board with. Um, but I suppose, but at least they're still at least they're still Sauber, I guess, is what you could come back to with that, right? I mean, it's still nonsense, but it's well, yeah. I mean, they're quite keen on it being called called steak as in you know in the same way that you could i guess still call uh the visa cash app team rb or if you really wanted to you call them alpha towery or toro Rosa. i mean it's kind of you know yeah true um but yeah there's there's probably more logic to calling them themselves still but the other thing about that of course is it's changing to audi in 2026 so it's kind of a stopgap but yeah i'm not sure what this is whether this is a stopgap whether it's long term it just yeah it just feels like it's something very hard to to be excited about Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You've both obviously mentioned the relationship with the one team, the sister team, the eighth team, however you want to describe that relationship with Red Bull and now Visa Cash App RB. By the way, we will do our best not to refer to it as AlphaTari here on Unlapped. We are professionals, but in the event that we do... During the season, just know that AlphaTauri, Visa Cash App, RB are interchangeable at this point for the three of us. <laughs> but given that relationship between the two, McLaren's Zach Brown has some issues with it. And a recent comment made some headlines. And I think it's interesting. And I, I want to discuss it with the two of you. The exact quote was from Brown, we have some work to do around the rules. I think the AB team is a real problem moving forward. I think co-ownership you don't really have that in any other sport. And I think that provides a lot of conflict of interest. I think anytime you have an entity that owns two teams or an A and B relationship, I think it really starts to compromise the integrity of sporting fairness. That's the comment from Zach Brown. Lawrence, I'd be curious if you think these comments from Brown are, are fair. Well, this relationship within Red Bull owning the two teams has existed since 2006. So it's not that new. I think what has changed is that um, there's going to be a close relationship between those two teams moving forward. Um, and that includes uh, the design office, a lot of the people that work for Visa Cash App, RB, Alpha Tauri, um, who were previously based in Bista, a separate facility, moving onto the Red Bull campus. And then they've also been using the Red Bull wind tunnel since I think 2022. Uh, so there's kind of just this slow integration. I think a few people who were previously based in Italy are likely to now set up in the UK. And um, Peter Bayer, the um, the CEO at, at Visa Cash App RB, uh, has been quite clear on the reasons for that. Uh, one is that, you know, they, they, they want to have people all together in one place, but also to attract engineers from other teams. It was always quite difficult to attract people to go to Faenza in Italy, where that team is based, uh, because it's... Um, away from the majority of, of other Formula 1 teams. Okay, you've got Ferrari just down the road, but Ferrari always has more of a draw than uh, than the Toro Rosso, AlphaTauri, Visa, Cash App, RB team. Um, but being in the UK, you all of a sudden have all those other teams there and you can start to draw in uh, more expertise. And, and, and that's what they want to do going forward. Now, I think the concern among uh, some of the other teams, really vocally, I've only heard it from Zach Brown, but uh, it's certainly been discussed, um, uh, I think, within F1 commission meetings. Uh, the FIA have also said they're aware of it, is that, you know, if you have these two teams operating out of the same place, there may start to be a few kind of shared uh, bits of intellectual property. Now, that is absolutely against the rules when it comes to aero surfaces, which is where the big concern is. You are allowed to use certain parts or basically buy certain parts from another team. So um, Alpha Towery, Visa Cash App RB will be using... Um, the rear suspension from uh, last year's Red Bull this year and the front suspension, I think, from this year's Red Bull this year. So, um, you know, th there's a few things which they're allowed to do under the regulations, but then to have all of that integrated and also perhaps 
if some of those engineers are being attracted to go uh, to the junior Red Bull team, are they really going there to work for junior Red Bull team or, or do they have their sights set on them moving into the senior Red Bull team, you know, and having those two teams so closely linked and then having the d- design offices on the same in, in the same area, it, it does it does raise some concerns. But the FIA were quite clear about this at the end of last year. Uh, Nicholas Tombatsi talked about it. He said, look, they're aware of it. They're not aware of anything that the two teams have done incorrectly so far. Um, but it's something that they were going to introduce just a few more guidelines on going into the winter and something that they would monitor very carefully. But um, yeah, until there's proof that intellectual property has moved in terms of, you know, aero stuff has moved from one side to the other, um, you know, you can be concerned about it, but I don't think you can get, you know, that that angry about it. But yeah, clearly uh, it's something that Zach is particularly keen to to push and whether that's to try and destabilise uh, Red Bull a bit or whether he sees Visa Cash App RB in its new form with, you know, a lot more, a bit more investment going in and, and uh, you know, m- m- more links to that Red Bull team, whether he sees them as a threat. Maybe that's it as well. I love that he's already twisting the knife and we haven't even gotten into winter testing. And I never thought that I would hear myself say this. Lawrence, Visa Cash App RB rolls off the tongue when you say it. <laughs> Every time Lawrence he's said it, nailing it, was it. picked in the gut, though. Uh, it's like <laughs> it's horrible to hear. <laughs> I but see yeah, you shaking Lawrence your head is, over there, Nate. Lawrence, it feels like Lawrence has been saying it for years. I'm still trying to. It does. No, it's tough. Out. It's tough. Um, and I keep. Not knowing, I keep wanting to say Alpha Tauri and then having to say the both, and I don't know. Yeah, it's um, it's tough. Well, we'll get used to it, but anyway. Yeah, Nate, that, you're you're yeah. close with McLaren. You're close with Zach Brown. What did you think? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting that Zach's been the only one who's spoken out about this so far. Um, we haven't really had a chance, I guess, to to put it to Toto, put it to Ferrari properly. Um, but James Allison did talk about it recently, and he um he didn't he didn't really go out on a limb. Where when I, there was a, I think he spoke to uh, John Noble from Motorsport, um, and from what I remember, and I'm now <laughs> scrabbling to remember what the article said, but he didn't massively go out on a limb like Zach Brown did. Maybe that's something reserved for Toto Wolf. I don't know. Um, but obviously, Zach was very outspoken in 2022 when we had the whole cost cap saga. He actually wrote an open letter about Red Bull, so he's really had a he's really had this kind of nagging suspicion, I guess, around. Red Bull's operations about the cost cap and a lot of what he said was was kind of laced to that and and Lawrence laid it out really really well. I mean, it is interesting. It's the only it's the only kind of relationship like that that exists. I know that Ferrari and Haas have have a have a relationship that's close and that has been under the microscope before. But as we as we keep coming back to, Red Bull owns both of these teams. So I actually mm-hmm. think that where this will be really kind of I think that this is going to become a sticky issue all season. We saw last year the FIA, and to be fair, the FIA did an incredible job in terms of the due diligence, due diligence of the cost cap investigation this most recent go-round. But they were looking into WhatsApp messages, they were looking into emails. Can you imagine what they're going to have to start doing if if there is suspicions of of this? Or even even if Red Bull want to say, well, look, we're not doing anything wrong. You don't you don't just uncover that or look into that overnight. That you know that that's it's a serious charge, and you think that to to actually look at that properly would take would take forever. So. Yeah, hard to see what the next the next step is. Whether Brown is, you know, I, I heard a suggestion that Brown was maybe more upset he didn't get Visa to join with McLaren, which was a little bit cheeky. But you you actually look at what Brown's done at McLaren, and he has attracted a lot of big name sponsors. So you know, Visa would have been another one, another one there. And I have heard from other places he was courting Visa for a few years. I don't think it would have been 
I don't think that would have been that petty. And in, in his defense, my immediate thought was, well, he was saying that towards the end of last year, you know, and the visa thing was obviously in negotiations. He probably had heard about it, but wasn't confirmed mm -hmm. it was going to be that. So, but that just shows you some of the, some of the kind of the back and forth you hear behind the scenes about these things. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's given us a really good talking point for Bahrain and for the first few races, because I think it's unlikely we'll see Team Ricardo, whatever we're going to, I'm going to call it Team Ricardo for, you know, until, until, <laughs> until, until, until a, be a better time, uh, until Red Bull's second team. Um, if, if they, if they do an Aston Martin this year, I think it was very unlikely given where AlphaTauri was at the end of last season. But if mm -hmm. that team starts really overperforming from last season, suddenly that question is going to be big, isn't it? Is, oh, well, it must just be because of this, this closer, more integral relationship. And to go to, to go to the Ricardo point, we talked about it a lot last season, and a lot of fans, when they've, you know, they've replied to tweets, or I've seen, you know, in 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 other places, have asked comments to different articles. They've said, "Well, why wouldn't Red Bull promote Ricardo to promote? Uh, to, sorry, in place of Perez, this is exactly why. You know, they wanted a big name driver to lead this new team uh, or this newly named team. And if you're Visa, you're coming in, and we talked about this. Will, will this blow over? I think it will, and very very quickly." They can lean on a personality like Ricardo. I think that they can have a lot yeah. of fun with the fact that everyone hates the name. I think that you've got a guy in there, and and Yuki as well. I think just not caring. I imagine sure. would be the kind of the vibe. I think they've got two great drivers to deal with that situation, if that makes sense, in terms of the media. And we haven't yeah. really seen them yet. So once we're into the season, I think that those two guys will actually be really key in kind of just change because it's hard to dislike those two guys. And I think that that's really going to help the team out because people are going to say, "Oh, the team sucks," but still really like the drivers. So I think that keeping those keeping Ricardo in, you know, and and they're hoping they get the old, you know, R Ricardo with a full season under his belt is good again, um, as he was a few years back. Um, so I think that will eventually subside. Um, but yeah, sorry, that was a long way around from what you asked about. Uh, no, but about I think it's a good point. Um, I think you you lean into it if your Visa cash up RB and your two drivers. See, I that didn't roll quite off the tongue, but I got there. Yeah. We need to. We need whatever Lawrence has been drinking before this. We need some of it. Um, just no, on no, that just name, a, I think uh, is in a note card at the top of my computer. Always, <laughs> yeah. just you're just saying it on repeat before we started recording. Yeah. Um, just on that though, as well, I think is very interesting that I think Formula One. You can see it, and I know. And and later, I know we're going to talk about the new uh, Madrid race, but Formula One is mm -hmm. actually very good at at kind of slowly moving the goalposts without people really realizing it. You know, we've gone from, and we can talk about this a bit more like how things have we've gone from 18 to 24 races etc but it feels like this if we if we suddenly get used to this by the end of the year lawrence is right like when this deal ends it might seem a lot more natural be like oh yeah yeah some random companies come in now and has has taken over you know there's other teams that might be the case for um and one of our colleagues we were talking to the other day mentioned that in cycling it's all like this you know you have team sky when lance armstrong was in asterix winning the Tour de France all those times it was with the US Postal Service team I think so it yes. was there wasn't really a it wasn't a name it was a brand behind that team name so kind of interesting to see that and I don't think Formula One will ever get that bad because we have big manufacturers with iconic names in there but you do wonder you know this kind of I, I feel like things like this always kind of start to cascade a little bit um, yeah. so I'm interested to see in 10 years where you know what the value of a team name is versus you know, a, a title sponsorship like a like a Petronas or a, a Ramco uh, or a, you know Cognizant or as we've seen with other teams before versus we're now rechanging the whole team name of this team kit, everything logo, etc. Um, who knows? Maybe it's maybe this is the beginning of the end of the of the traditional uh, the 
traditional name hope it's not but i always wonder about stuff like that like is this is yeah. this just where things are going now because you look at other sports and it's also happening there as well there's not a lot of sex appeal to uh the u.s postal service whatever team I'm just gonna throw that out there we are gonna get to madrid but real quick lawrence i wanted to touch base with you some contract news charlotte claire resigned with ferrari beyond the 2024 season not sure the parameters exactly about the contract I would say overall, this has been a happy marriage with a lot of ups and downs for Charles Leclerc and the Ferrari. What was your immediate reaction to the news? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of, of Charles' time at, at Ferrari. has certainly been plenty of, of downs, but of course it is still <laughs> one of the most desired seats mm -hmm. in, in motorsport to drive for Ferrari, even when they're not winning, just because of the history that goes with that team. And so this contract, yeah, it's very vague. Um, several years was what Charlotte Clerk said in the press release quote. Um, Gazetta della Sport at the end of last year had said it was a five-year contract, which seems likely, certainly if it runs to its full extent, it may be, say, three years with options or, or something along those lines. So um, I think what we can safely assume is that Leclerc is at 26 is committing um, a large part of the rest of his career to Ferrari, having basically been there his whole career. Of course, he started at Alfa Romeo, Sauber, whatever we want to call that team in 2018, then moved straight to Ferrari. But he'd been a part of the Ferrari Driver Academy since since 2016. And his ties to that team go even further back because his his godfather, Jules Bianchi, was um, lined up to go to Ferrari. And uh, of course, Bianchi died after um, as a result of his uh, accident in, in Suzuka in 2014. And it was often seen that the clerk kind of took over a lot of uh, Bianchi's career path and, and 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 has gone with it. So I think the connection there was so strong. And also with Fred Vasseur there, who the clerk's been, you know, very close with for, for a long time, going back to that initial salver contract as well. Um, it, it does make sense. It all kind of knits together. And I think we would have been incredibly surprised if, there was any other, you know, if he was going anywhere else, um, including the likes of Red Bull, obviously Mercedes have their, their, their drivers sewn up for another year anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we would have been very surprised if if this didn't come about. Um, but um, I, I think it's good. It, it, it does obviously remove one piece from the uh, the puzzle of, of the driving market going into next year. Um, interesting that Carlos Sainz's contract wasn't, a new contract wasn't announced at the same time. Ferrari have made similar noises about their desire to keep both drivers, the difference being that it always looked like Leclerc was going to be on a longer-term deal than Sainz. Uh, so whether we'll get, you know, in a few weeks' time, uh, an announcement that Sainz is also staying there, again, probably without a length of contract, and then we'll have to do the uh, the journalism behind it to find out how long each of those two drivers are on. But um, I, I think, you know, also from a Ferrari side, it makes perfect sense. You know, Leclerc is, I genuinely believe, the fastest driver over a single lap in yeah. Formula One. Um, and I think, you know, while he does make occasional mistakes in races, I don't think he's quite the complete package that Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are. He's not far off. And and given the available drivers, you know, we know that Hamilton has a contract through to 2025. I think it's very unlikely now that he would end his career at Ferrari. Max Verstappen has a contract through to 2028. Given the availability of drivers that, that Ferrari was looking at, I think getting Leclerc in one of those seats on what we think is a long-term deal makes a huge amount of sense. Nate, which statement is more true? Ferrari needs Charles Leclerc more. Charles Leclerc needs Ferrari. Well, that's a good one. Um, I really don't know. I think, I, I reckon, I would say 
probably Ferrari needs Charles Leclerc more only because at the moment I don't know who else they would get who's a big name. Because as as Lawrence has mentioned, I don't think Lewis is staying around for another deal. Mm-hmm. Don't think Max would go. And for Charles, I mean, he's made his name and other teams would come for him. Whereas I think for Ferrari, probably be at a loss to find a big, big name. I'm sure. I mean, actually, they wouldn't, would they? Because anyone would at a drop of a hat would probably drive there. But it's a good question. A Ferrari never, Ferrari never admit that they that anyone that they need anyone. It's always they need us, you know. Which there's probably a lot of truth to that, you know. I mean, maybe more so in the past than now. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'm going to be thinking about that for a few hours now, Katie. I don't actually know what the good Sorry. answer is. Sorry, Laz, do, do you have a gut reaction to that question? Well, only a kind of boring one, which I think the nature of it is that, is that they both do require each other. I mean, look, Ferrari would happily continue as a team, you know, w- without Leclerc. It it is obviously uh, not see where where's Leclerc. It would you'd struggle to see where he would fit in another team. Um, you know, it feels like after Lewis, uh, you know, Mercedes will probably be George's team and Max has has Red Bull. And then you start mm-hmm. to look down unless you think, well, which other teams are realistically going to challenge for championships? Now, I know a lot of people will turn around and say, well, Ferrari haven't done that since uh, <laughs> 2007, 2008, if you like. Um, you know, but, but they have had, they've been there or thereabouts and they have actually challenged for championships. You know, they, they have been in the mix for them. So I think, um, yeah, I think Ferrari, you know, they don't need Leclerc, but I think of the available options, he was he was definitely the best one. And I completely understand why the two of them have come together and been so happy to uh, to continue this deal that they're on. Even though, as you mentioned at the very start of this segment, uh, the history of Leclerc and Ferrari is a bit of a bit of a tragic one in some senses. You know, in terms of lost opportunities and wasted talent and not getting the team where it needs to be. But um, I th- I think if you look at the progress. Ferrari made last year as well. Um, there's, albeit from quite a low starting point, you know, there is a reason for Leclerc to believe that that team can actually challenge for championships. You know, I think Fred Vasseur has changed a little bit of, of what's going on behind at Ferrari. Undoubtedly, there's a huge amount of work that still needs to be done to challenge Red Bull, considering how good they are or good they've been in the last two years. And of course, Mercedes based on the last eight or nine years but um yeah there's a feeling that it could it could still happen and so um yeah i think for leclerc that's the best he had on the table yeah and also Charles has that incredible storyline right there he's the only well him and carlos the only two drivers that have that in front of them which is they could be the guys that end that ferrari drought and it's only going to get longer i don't think it'll end this year and it's a powerful it's a powerful pull especially if if you're like Charles and you love the team as much as he does and I think going to another team, obviously he's not going to ever turn down winning a championship, but the pull of being the guy to win it with Ferrari, I think is huge, you know, and that must have weighed on him as well because you don't want to leave and then see someone else do that when you've been kind of the, the chosen one for, what is it, like six years now. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. No doubt about it. And I also think, too, no matter if you're a fan of Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren, you name it, when Charles Leclerc and Ferrari are good and they're competing for podiums, it makes the entire sport more compelling. So I think we all hope for more triumph for Charles and Carlos Sainz and Ferrari this season as compared to some of the heartbreak that we've seen. Nate, you mentioned earlier in the show Madrid, and it's mm. finally happening. Um, the Madrid Grand Prix will replace the Barcelona Grand Prix in 2026. So we still have a couple of years. I'm just curious, Laz, is is this the right call for the sport as we look long term? I mean, there was rumblings that this was partic- you know particularly going to happen, and now we know that you know it is in in the future books. Um, is it the right call? I I, don't, I was never a huge fan of the race in Barcelona anyway. Um, okay. I don't think it's the most inspiring circuit, and I think the way it was run was was pretty poor at times you know there were stories of fans not being able to get hold of you know water you know or queuing for hours to get mm-hmm. get a drink and stuff like that so i think you know if madrid comes in and does a really good job then that's good but the downside i think is that the proposal that madrid have put forward and the the outline of the circuit looks pretty uninspiring and we said that about other circuits that have come on and we've been proven yeah. wrong. You know, the first time we saw Baku, everyone was asking what on earth's that. Um, Las Vegas, uh, I don't think anyone was was that convinced that it would be great racing until we saw the cars on the track. Um, but yeah, I think the, the slight shame and why it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity with Madrid is that it's one of these kind of, it is a street circuit, sure, but it's a street circuit 20 minutes outside the centre of Madrid and you hear the name you know madrid and you think wow you know it could go around some of the iconic sites of of a capital city and all the culture that is involved there and from what i've seen of it although i've not been to the location it basically looks like an event space slash industrial estate with a couple of roundabouts that they're going around and you know um i I, i'm not convinced it's it's the best circuit that could be coming onto the calendar in 2026 or the best circuit to replace uh barcelona as the spanish grand prix but it is where it is um and then there's this wider conversation which i think a lot of people have latched onto over whether there's too many street circuits now in formula one um i think we'll probably talk about that in a you know in a second but but for what it's worth i think if street circuits are done right you know baku uh monaco singapore las vegas those are the four actual proper street circuits where you go through the center of a city and or town and it's impressive and you know they're right up by the walls and stuff like that those are great and then you have this kind of weird other type of street circuit Jeddah, miami which aren't really streets that cars go on and i think those are a lot less inspiring um and so uh, you're not yeah, saying think- that the streets around Hard Rock Stadium in Miami are <laughs> that's not downtown Miami. That's not South Beach to you. Yeah, exactly. Well, this was the thing when we first heard of the Miami Grand Prix, we were promised it would be in downtown. And there was yeah. this potentially not brilliant out uh, like track, but it, it was kind of interesting. It went over one of the bridges. It came back, went around a park kind of it was in downtown Miami with skyscrapers around it. 
And it felt like it was going to be a much more integrative part of the city. Whereas you're right, we go out to the Hard Rock Stadium and there's nothing wrong with the Miami no. circuit. In fact, it offered up a pretty good race last year. But I just don't think it's it's that inspiring. And you think what this sport can produce, the very best sure. races, uh, it's, it's there's the potential to have a brilliant new permanent circuit like Cota, which was, you know, it's a bit old now, it's been around since 2012. But when that came on, um, you know, that, that was a genuinely interesting new circuit. So it's still possible to build brilliant permanent circuits and it's still possible to have brilliant street circuits because Las Vegas, I genuinely think it's going to continue to be one of the highlights of the season, not just from a spectacle point of view, because it is amazing seeing cars go down the strip, but also from a sporting point of view, because it offered up a really genuinely good race uh, in its first year. So yeah, there's a balance to be struck there. And for me, it's not so much whether it's just street circuits or permanent circuits, it's whether they're good circuits. And from what I've seen yeah. in Madrid, doesn't look that good. But Nate, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. I think um, Vegas has changed my mind a little bit on on kind of preempting street circuits because I was convinced Vegas was going to be race wise was going to be pretty terrible just based on what we'd seen kind of on yeah. video games and stuff of the circuit. And actually, that stuff never really gives you a good indication. My one worry with Madrid is, to me. Where they've put it, I, I'm worried it'll end up being a bit like a Sochi, where Lawrence is right. If you have a race in a city, you want to see the city. You want it to have something special to it. And it'd be nothing worse than going to a place like Madrid and people being like, this, this circuit has no no character, you know, nothing like that. And Spain, I'm surprised Formula 1's kind of... I, I mean, obviously Formula 1's done a lot of due diligence into this, but we had a race in Valencia that this feels very similar to, which was... It was in Valencia, but it wasn't really in Valencia, as far as I remember. It was... And it now it's just kind of a I think was I can't remember if part of that had been built for for Formula One. Um, Lawrence was covering that, and I think actually went to Valencia, so you can probably remember. Yeah, it was it was it's down by the docks, and it used part of the old America's Cup sailing that's right uh, area as as part of the paddock. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it eventually fell off, but yeah, I mean there were other reasons for that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. other reasons definitely, and and that circuit wasn't awful, but it just it it felt it felt a bit kind of like oh okay like is this is this really the best we can do for you know a, a second race in Spain as it was then um so yeah I've got a mixed feeling about it and just generally I think that the street race just the calendar in general is just worrying because it's just I think saturation is the thing that Formula One needs to have a real conversation about um just generally in terms of mm -hmm. you know the product and you know and yeah it I think 2008 when Singapore joined, that was the second street circuit. And I remember it being like, wow, we've got a new street circuit. And then it became three and it became four. And now, you know, I think it depends. And Lawrence is right. It depends what you classify as a street circuit. But I think it's eight, nine, if you include Montreal in that. Um, and fans, generally, if you ask people what their favorite circuits are for racing, you'll have Suzuka, Spa, Monza. You know, I'm sure you'll get Baku will be in there as well. So it, Lawrence is right. You, it's not just street circuit equals bad. But I think it's harder to have a good street race, or at least harder to have a street circuit. Uh, sorry, a, a street race that is as compelling as a traditional circuit. And part of that is because of how big Formula One cars have got. So if they get smaller by twenty six, yeah. which may well be the case, maybe that will change. But at the moment, you know, it just—I don't know—it just doesn't seem like it's the perfect fit for a lot of these places. Well, to your all's point, it's worth noting that of the six newest Grand Prix introduced to the calendar, Qatar is the only one that's a permanent track. So you have Madrid, Vegas, Miami, Jeddah, and Baku that are all street tracks. So there clearly seems to be a trend when they bring on a new race to the calendar, um, which, mm. which I find interesting. And um, 
and it is yeah, I mean, and again that 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 trend is is really important to look at because i think if there's I think there's two ways at the moment to really to really be sure you're going to secure a formula one race one is to have you know middle east you know be a middle eastern state with a lot of money the second one is mm -hmm. to have big funding from a city i mean it's interesting to read about the actual story behind this madrid race because it is out of the city center and it's part of a kind of a regeneration project around that part of the city so the madrid you know the local government has said yeah absolutely we can totally get behind this here's a load of money you know lawrence and i have both lived in london for a long time or i mean i used to anyway but london 2012 where the olympics was there was very similar mm -hmm. to that you know they did it in a part of town that really needed uh regeneration and it has been successful and it was really easy for for london to 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 get people behind that similar in madrid harder for and, and other circuits i mean you know spa is always seemingly at risk of dropping off the calendar and other i, I feel like for circuits now it's much much harder to to kind of raise your game financially to what some of these street circuits have um and that is kind of worrying because i think you know, you look at what you look at the, the Vegas deal, for example, with Formula One. Incredible deal, so huge. No purpose-built circuit is going to have a similar relationship there, and that's because it's Vegas, right? It's because, but it's yeah. raised that bar, and I think only really very well-funded city races are going to be able to compete with the Middle Eastern races in a few years' time. And again, that's a concern because if you're going to bring those in, I mean, look at Kyle Army. We've talked about a South African Grand Prix coming in; they haven't been able to secure that, and that's a purpose-built circuit. They just can't get funding for it. I think if there was a street race downtown in Durban or Johannesburg or something like that, you could imagine there would be easier ways to get around that from a from a government funding point of view. They could say, all right, well, let's regenerate this part of town and put a race on. And suddenly you've got a double whammy there rather than just, oh, we're going to put a Formula One race on here. Oh, what? There's no support for it. That's surprising. So, yeah, I think that's a trend that people should keep an eye on for sure. Laz, you mentioned Suzuka earlier. This is the last year on the current Suzuka contract. There's been rumblings that Osaka is potentially going to try to make a run uh, getting a Grand Prix in the future. What do you think of that? Seems like very early days for the Osaka bid. Uh, so I don't think it would uh, replace Suzuka in 2025. And I think there's still an appetite to have a Japanese Grand Prix. So I expect Suzuka will sign a new contract and continue. But um, yeah, there's, you know, there's a chance, but then, We've seen this in uh, Japan and um, yeah, a number of places where there's an appetite among a city to to host a race and there's this, you know, media statements get put out there and a lot of it is sometimes just trying to attract funding in to, to try and make something happen. And so when it's this early on, I'm always a little bit sceptical. Um, and uh, yeah, I think actually Osaka is an incredible city. It would be amazing to have a street race around there uh from what i know of it i'm not entirely sure where you would do it again i think you'd probably have to move it away from from the very center of osaka but um uh but if it was then to replace suzuka i think you'd find most fans would be pretty upset about that because even if it's in the uk at least turning on your tv at 6 a.m to watch the japanese grand prix when it's at suzuka fans will do that because it's such a special place to watch motor racing it's not always actually the best races because that is a very uh, quite old and quite narrow circuit where it's pretty hard to overtake. But seeing a Formula One car go round there, uh, partly because of those reasons, partly because it is uh, quite tight, but also incredibly fast, sweeping corners over natural undulations in, in the countryside, um, it's it, it does make a, a fantastic circuit. So I think F1 has to find a balance. But I think they're also aware of this 
you know, to some extent. I, I think there is, you know, an, an awareness that races like Spa, like Suzuka, you, you do have to retain some of them at least. Um, yeah. And while it seems that they're always under threat because they always seem to sign shorter term contracts, you know, this new Madrid one is 10 years, but whenever we hear of a new Suzuka contract or a new Spa contract, it always seems to be just for a couple of years or so, um, which makes them seem like they're under threat. But my hope is that Formula One's you know, governance and, and decision-making will realise the importance of those for the sport and for the spectacle. And while it is cool to go to places like Las Vegas and Miami and, you know, new street circuits in exciting cities, mm-hmm. it's a balance. And as long as we have a calendar that is as big as 24 races, there is actually enough space for that balance as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess it just depends how how many new places come on with with, with lots of money, because as, as Nate pointed out, the money will ultimately drive some of these decisions. But um yeah, I, I think there's enough space in a 24 race calendar to make sure that a few of the really impressive old circuits stay on. And I know it looks like we're losing Barcelona, but I probably wouldn't have categorized that as one of those must keep circuits. Um, people may have a different opinion, but I don't ever think it was quite on that level. Are you yeah, saying money drives decision making? Is that why we have Visa Cash App RB? That's what we will close I, I, I this say, episode of Unlapped. We'll just call it the money episode um, because it does. It does <laughs> yeah. seem like it's money talks, way. baby. Uh, well, yeah, a, a wise man once said cash is king, didn't he? I forget who that was, but um, <laughs> I remember it being a big deal at the time. But he was right. Yeah, always right. As always, thank you both for your opinions and analysis. So good. Always, every single week. Remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back with a new episode of Unlap next week. Be sure to check that out. Thanks for listening and watching. Cheers.